Bam, we're live. New drinking game. Take a shot every time someone Sevon cries about having to get. Hi, Sage. Hi. <laughs> New drinking game. Take a shot every time Sevon cries about having to get vaccinated, pretends racism isn't real, or mispronounces someone's name on purpose to get attention. Hey, Christy, I bet you after three shots, your mom sucks a mean dick. Hi, Sage. What a great place to come in at. Do you guys know who Sage is? I don't think anybody knows, really. They know. Well, they don't know. <laughs> they don't even know. They don't know what they don't know. <laughs> uh, I've never cried on the show. That's unfortunate. Let's make today the first day that happens. <laughs> <sighs> I'm trying to think the last time I cried. I wonder if I, I'm sure I cried at least once or twice in... 2021. I don't, I don't cry unless I'm frustrated. Do you ever cry? Um, only like three times per day. So not much. Oh, serious? No, Oh. no. I mean, I, I definitely cry. I am female. So we do cry. Were you but ever yeah, in a, It's usually out of frustration. Were you ever in a 12 step program? No. Oh, those people who are in 12 step programs end up like, I feel like they're, they cry a lot. Like, I mean, afterwards. Yeah. They're good at crying. Like they just would be telling you a story about like how they saw a bird crash into a window and they started crying. They start crying. <laughs> yeah. It's something I feel like I, it's good to be able to tap into. It feels damn good after a good cry. Sometimes I like sit there and I really try to make myself cry just because I know how good it feels. I, I, I read a story this morning, Christy, um, about, uh, Christine, Christine Y. No, Christine A. I read a story this morning, Christine, Christy, Christy A. <laughs> about a 15 year old boy who got the vaccine and a week later he died of uh, cardiac arrest and it shows his dad holding him. And I, and I was, I was reading, uh, the eulogy his dad wrote, but I didn't cry that he died, Christy. Cause I ain't taking that motherfucker. But, but this, and you know it's not even real. It was on Instagram. Sorry, I'm still venting. I'm, I'm no, see, that would have made me cry. Yeah, probably. If I was healthy, I would have cried. <laughs> um, there was this guy, Greg Glassman, and he started this thing called CrossFit. And then early on, when he started it, he needed a, an Olympic lifting specialist. Olympic lifting, um, for those of you who don't know, is um, it's there's a I think it's specifically to a barbell, but it sits on the ground. And then like with, with explosive movement, you lift it to different parts of your body, like to your waist or to your shoulders or to overhead. And they got a bunch of cool names that if you're new to the sport, you always laugh like snatch and jerk. And, um, and, um, Greg needed a specialist, um, because that was a huge component of what CrossFit was. And he found this guy named Mike Berg Ener. In Southern California, it was about 300 miles south of where Greg um, founded CrossFit, um, which was Santa Cruz, California. And it was in a town, uh, Mike lived in a town called Bonzel. Mm -hmm. God, that's a great name. And um, not only, um, uh, so in Bonzel, there was this guy, Mike, and he had this daughter named Sage, not important yet. And um, <laughs> so Greg hooked up with Mike because Mike was the guy when it came to Olympic lifting and they built this uh, relationship. And as CrossFit grew uh, hand in hand, Olympic lifting spread around the world. And um, because Mike was the best and he was um, 
he he was he was there and he was teaching it uh he became notorious infamous well received loved for his um knowledge in that kind of lifting and mike had this daughter named sage i mean he has other kids too and that's who this chick is right here the other ones sage. are not important and and sage gets to say weird shit like um how long have you been lifting olympic lifting and she says uh 26 uh, years and then you're like wait how old are you and she's like i'm 30 and you're like oh shit i get it <laughs> I have nothing else to say. You pretty much just described my whole entire life in that 30 second segment. Your dad is your dad. A, is your dad a, um, a hard ass? Like, is, was he hard? Is, is he a tough dad? He used to be way more of a hard ass. Um, I think having three boys and then a girl, he, he was really tough on us. He was super strict loud. He is very passionate. He's very emotional, but I feel like over the years, he's definitely softened up a little bit. And now yeah. he, he cries. There's nothing wrong with crying. Savan. he cries. No, no. It feels great to cry. It's, it's great. It's like taking a shit. It's great. I mean, <laughs> you know, you want it to be in a certain situation like <laughs> shitting. Do you know what I mean? Like my kid's out on the tennis court and he's like, I got to take a shit. You don't want to have to like, that's not, you don't want to start crying like in the wrong situation or shit in the wrong situation. But yeah, it's important and it's good. In the right situation, it's like some of the best things that can happen to you in life. Yeah. You do not want to shit or cry on a tennis court. I can tell you that much. Have you pooped your pants ever lifting? I have not, but I know people who have. Is I know. That, of course, I don't believe you. Does that mean you're not trying hard enough? How could you have never in 26 years, not even a little shart? Not even a little shart. So apparently I am not trying hard enough. Yes. <laughs> That's incredible. But would you say I that? I would tell you if I yes. did. I would tell you. I know. I know. I saw, I went to your Instagram account. You were very, um, I don't know if you're open, but it appears that you're open. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm a pretty open book for the most part. Yeah. Um, why is that? Um, just because I feel like there's no point in not being that way. I think that humans are craving connection and they're craving to feel understood or they're craving to feel like seen and heard by another person. So I just feel that I'm open so that they feel like they have somebody else on their side or experiencing the same things that they're experiencing or feeling the same thing that they're feeling. I think that's important. I think that's why we're here. How about for accountability's sake? Yes, absolutely. I, I always tell people that the, the blog posts that I write on my Instagram are much more so for me than they are for any of anybody else. When I write about mindset stuff, it's because I'm struggling with that this week. And so I'm writing about it to be accountable and to remind myself, Hey, if you're going to, if you're going to teach about this stuff, if you're going to talk about this stuff, you better live that stuff. So it's absolutely for accountability. It's interesting because I, I, I honestly don't care who um, takes uh, the vaccine or not. I don't care if someone kills themselves. I don't care. Like, I really don't care what anyone else does. 
Right. And and when I was younger, I didn't really care what anyone else did either. Like just you do you. I mean, I I prefer your dog doesn't shit on my lawn, but <laughs> and and if it does, please pick it up. But I really just don't care. You do as long as you're not um hurting kids. I'm pretty cool with whatever you do. Like I'm even if the guy wants to ride his horse around town, I'm willing to like stop at the stoplight and let your horse go. Like and but um. The only reason why I talk about it is because I feel I feel like there's people who are being coerced into it and forced into it. And so I feel like I because I have the luxury to stand up for them, I should stand up for them. That's a small piece. And then the other piece is now I have kids. Absolutely. So I just need to occasionally stand up for things that are right or and i have friends who are ple- like i'm sure like you do police officers and firefighters who have been at the job and you know you have those friends who are firefighters and police right who you're like oh man if i ever get in a car accident i hope this dude shows up right like, i would love to be like like i saw a lifeguard go in the ocean the other day and he's this big buff dude and i'm like god if i'm ever drowning i hope that guy shows up <laughs> you know and and i don't need to force i don't want to force that guy to do anything no he's perfect He's buff, he's beautiful, and he swims good. Checks all the boxes. Come get me. It's true. I I feel like I have so many people who will reach out and say, man, I I wish that I could say that. Something that I I wish that I could say that. And and I'm like, why can't you say it? But people don't feel as confident or as sure in themselves to be able to voice some things. And so I do think that if you – have any sort of platform, no matter how big or small, it's almost like your civil duty to, like you said, speak up for those who can't. How, how, how did you, how did you break that? How did you become free? Like even the, there's a, there's a, there's a, a post, um, by the way, is that your um, Instagram? I just put an at in it yeah. and smashed your name together. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, how did you break out of that? You know, doing this show, I'm 49 years old and doing this show is hard for me. Um, because I know my mom listens. And yes. so like, I just, I just got to, I got to open, I opened up the show. I'm um, telling Christy that uh, I fuck her mom, Christy. Yeah. If I, and, and like, I would never say that if my mom was in the room or I'd try not to. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but I see a post where you're, you're like in underwear and bra and you're laying down talking about what a sexual person you are. And I'm like, well, like I, p- people just see that, but like, you're close with your dad. You're close with your mom. You might see them every single day. You have a close family. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, was there a moment where you're like, okay, fuck it. I'm just breaking free. I think when it comes to my parents, my parents have always known that I'm going to do whatever I want to do, regardless of what they say. Really? Uh, yeah. You weren't I scared mean- like in high school, like at 16, you're like, oh shit, I better hide this joint. I'll fucking be toast. <laughs> I was. I was never, I never did anything that was going to necessarily get me into any serious trouble. I wasn't a partier. I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink in high school. Um, I was too busy training all the time and training was super important to me. So I didn't necessarily do much that would, that would upset them other than just have a bitchy attitude. So I was definitely that like stereotypical bitchy teenager, thought she knew everything, thought I knew more than my parents. Um, So I never, I just, I'm going to talk this way. I'm going to post these things. 
And if you want to have a conversation with me about it as to why I'm doing it, I'm more than happy to sit and have a conversation with you about it. If you just get upset about it, it's not going to change anything that I necessarily post or say. Um, Yeah, my mom definitely will have a hard time with some of the pictures that I post or some of the things that I talk about. But I think that both my parents have gotten really good at asking me why And then usually realizing that my intentions are good. Like I'm not trying to be some thirst trap or whatever that saying is. And I'm that's a great word, isn't it? Thirst trap. I love that word. Yeah, Um, I love a thirst trap. That's I'm not going on there having like a nip slip, lip slip kind of post just to get followers or I don't I could give two shits about that. I just want to try and help people and Uh, I think that they realize that, which is why they don't really say much about it. Do you like, um, have you ever hung out, spent a lot of time in Hawaii? I lived in Hawaii for three years, actually. Oh, and did you just live in a bathing suit the whole time? Yes. I was was pregnant out there too. So especially during that time, because it was hot as balls and you just don't want any clothing on you ever. Yeah, balls can get pretty hot. Um, I like I I um, when I was younger, I hated humidity, and as I got older, I learned to appreciate it. And when I've yeah. gone places like Hawaii, like or or Mexico, literally, it's just shorts and that's it. It's and amazing. just and just accept being sweaty and hot. And um and I feel like uh, being like naked helps with my um, eating disorder. It like <laughs> it, it well it, it supports it. It promotes it. Like I'm always a little hungry. I'm like, well, shit. Every if I eat this apple, someone's gonna see it. I'm like a snake. You know what I mean? Like they're gonna be like, oh, he's got an he ate an apple. <laughs> exactly. Sevon sees a buff dude lifeguard and tries to drown. Correct. Correct. Who doesn't? <laughs> It was really interesting. The, the, uh, you know, the police showed up. The fire department showed up, and I, I live in California, up in Santa Cruz. Uh, police, police showed up. Firefighter showed up, and the lifeguard vehicle showed up. And there was what had happened is a surfboard had come in without a rider, and and the only dude who you wanted going out. I mean, the firefighters weren't in bad shape. The cop was fat as all get out. But the 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 lifeguard had this wetsuit on, and he and he looked like his body was a triangle. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. nuts. I'm like, all right, go get some. <laughs> um if you don't know sage search the mayhem channel for her running one of their lifting seminars she commands the room if i was her kid i'd live in fear <laughs> thank you travis um did you have um, would your dad spank you like if you were at the dinner table and you said he said drink your milk and you said no could you you had like what, a hand was coming no, he never spanked us on the spot. It always was this like grand production. Oh. Uh, go up to the room and wait for me. And we knew that shit was about to go down. And he would usually use like a paddle with the ones with the fucking holes in it. So it was very, very aerodynamic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like a wooden my- spoon with some holes in it. Exactly. Yes, yeah. I got the wooden spoon a couple times. Yeah. Or with my brothers, he's used a belt before. He Ooh. was definitely he was definitely like a fan of spanking. And my mom, she didn't love spanking as much. So my she wife doesn't like, like spanking too much. My wife doesn't like I mean like like at all. Like like if I spank, maybe I might get spanked. Like that kind of <laughs> that that kind of not like it. Yeah, so she would 
she would take us up into the room and she'd be like, listen, you pretend like this hurts. Cause if you don't, I'm going to bring your dad up there. Oh. And, and so then we like, you know, it was a whole agreement between us just so we didn't have to get spanked by my dad. But yeah, we were definitely spanked as kids and I'm, I'm grateful for it. It wasn't ever not, not deserved. Canceled. No wonder this show, no wonder this show, this show <laughs> yesterday had 294,000 downloads in a seven day period on, I, on iTunes. Thanks. That's amazing. Yeah. And you know what? I think I'm cooler than I was like, I, I know you're not supposed to let outside, outside things make you think you're cool. I like, I woke up this morning and saw those numbers. I'm like, fuck, I'm a beast. You should feel really good about that. Yeah. Thank you. It's cool to have people like to listen to what you have to say. That's a huge compliment. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, yeah, I guess. And no one in my family gives a, f wants to hear what I have to say. Nobody. <laughs> Shut up. So that's Never why mind. you started the podcast. Um, when, um, that, that's interesting what you said about your mom, because I will too, cause I know my wife doesn't like me like coming after the kids with any physicalness. I usually like, grab an ear or squeeze an arm or something like that, like to get their yeah. attention. My dad did a lot of ear squeezing and like my dad would do finger squeezing, like, like, put his, like put it, yeah. And squeeze my fingers. And as a boy, you kind of like that shit. Like you're, it's like, sometimes even when you're not in trouble, you're like, Hey, will you do that thing to my hand? It's like weird, but but, um, excuse me, but, uh, I will say if I get mad at my kids and I know my wife's like listening, I'll be like, yo, I'm going to go like this. And you just say, ow. And they know. So I go, but my wife knows, but I try to trick her. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Get her to come, be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Mom guilt is real. So I feel like anything that we do, even if it's like something super nice, like giving them a cookie, we have guilt about that. So with spanking for sure. It's hard for, it's hard for moms. Um, do you have any, um, like old man strength or dad strength from, I'm, I'm thinking that's something that like, I didn't get any of that. I don't know. It, I think it's a fucking lie. I don't, I never got like, I'm like, Oh, I got kids now. I put 10 pounds on my deadlift. None of that should happen to me. But, um, but you've been lifting so long. Have you accumulated, like, are you just strong now? No, no. <laughs> oh, good. That makes me feel better. I've never, ever had raw strength, ever. I've never been one of those, like, very functionally strong people. My brother Cody is, so I know what it looks like. Um, I didn't get that gene in my family, but I'm very, very stubborn. So I'm going to train till probably I'm, like, 100 years old trying to get strong. Interesting. And, and how old are you now? I'm the, my real age, or <laughs> I'm 31. Uh, uh, what's your other age? Twenty-five. Ah, awesome. Yeah. Um, it, it, is your is your at thirty-one? Are you done? Like, no. no, I'm definitely I'm definitely the strongest now than I ever have been. Just just as my knowledge increases about weightlifting and the body and and functional strength in general, I've I've gotten a lot stronger over the years. Because I used to only Olympic weightlift and that was not what my body needed to get strong. And I thought that that was the only way to get strong for a very, very long time. Like, oh, I just need to go on one more squat cycle and then it's really going to happen for me. But I need, I need all the things in order to be strong. And so I didn't know that until I started learning more and, and being exposed to way more 
different styles of lifting or training in general. Um, there's a there's a post you made where you you're holding a, a a bag in front and you're doing front squats and you say something about well time to work on the things I'm weak at. What, what does that mean? Yeah, I the, think the that's whole like, thing. Why are you using that bag? Why front squats? Like, what's the whole thing? What what's going on in that post? I think for me, it's um, training the things I'm worst weakest at is basically functional movement and functional strength. Being able to carry weird, heavy shit around and squat with it or move it or throw it um, or deadlift it. Those are the things that I feel like you can't necessarily get with a barbell. Like you can get things with a sandbag that you can't get with a barbell. It just, it, it, it attacks your central nervous system so different than a barbell does. Um, so I think just, just changing it up as much as possible and doing, like I said, as many different kind of strength movements as possible is for me, my body needs a bunch of different stimuli to be, to trick it into thinking that it's getting stronger. Um, when you say, when you say the sandbag does things that the barbell maybe can't do, holy shit, it's December 23rd. I know. Isn't that weird? It's almost Christmas, Savant. Yeah. Um, when you say the sandbag can't do, um, because it's off your midline or because you're holding it and you're doing curls or, or because maybe you're holding your shoulders up the whole time, like anything specific you can point at. I, I'm fascinated by this because like I am, as I got older, I'm just a D ball guy. Ooh, I love the D ball. Love so it. So I just like if I'm gonna do squats, I use I hold a D, a forty pound D ball in the front, and I and I that do squats. Fucking hard. Yeah. Well, it doesn't see. I'm just used to it. To me, the bar is hard. The bar well, is scary that, now like, as I got older. Something in front of you, especially like this. You know, your upper back is having to work. So the back of you is working. The front of you is working. The sides of you is working. It's like. I feel like just the act of holding something like that and it's kind of awkward and it's like sitting on your diaphragm so you can't fucking breathe and that whole adds a whole nother element to it. It's just like awkward. So you're probably, you know, tighter in some areas, meaning you're working that muscle that you wouldn't necessarily have to work with a barbell. I just, that's what I mean by it being different. Um, do you remember the first time you met Rich Froning? Um, I don't know if I remember the first time that I met him. You kind of look like his wife a little bit, like not look like her, but if like, if there was a California version of her, like a Temecula version, like, a uh, you could be that. You, well, thank you. Cause she is the cutest thing I've ever seen. And I want to put her in my pocket. She's like, she's so little and sweet. Um, do you don't remember the first, do you like working with him? I love it. Yeah. I mean, I get that question a lot, you know, ever since Bergner's strength paired up. Okay. Well then let's move on to the next question. Uh, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> you only want questions that nobody else has asked. Yeah. Go, no, we really like it. I, I think that I especially feel very close to the mayhem crew just cause I have been out there. Well, with my dad, of course, he feels very close as well. But we've been out there the most. And so we've really gotten the chance to get to know them. And their their morals and values are exactly the same as the Bergner. So like the way that 
Rich was raised, the reason he loves my dad so much is we were raised the exact same way. So there's just a lot of parallels between our philosophies and um, our views and, and the reasons why we do things, you know, like as big as mayhem is getting, they're always trying to do things for the right reasons. It's not about expanding. I'm, it is about growing their business and, you know, making a difference in people in the world. But you just know that they're doing things for the right reason. So we just, I think that's fucking awesome. Because I I have seen so many specifically CrossFit gyms over the years where it kind of shifts right from this like, oh, we're starting a CrossFit affiliate and we want it to be about community and family and be this like cool box. And then like people kind of see how hard it is and and they struggle making a living. And then so they have to transition into it being more of this like business. And you can feel that shift. Um, and I just haven't seen that shift with Mayhem. And so it's kind of refreshing to me. Well, uh, when you say morals and values, I was going to ask you to give an example. And one of the examples you gave is uh, doing the right things for the right reasons, right. not just not just chasing the dollar. Um, any, anything else that stands out? What about like uh, um, this kind of a two-parter? Um, you said that your dad made you work hard and your dad was strict. I suspect Rich's dad from the little bit I know Rich and his dad, that his dad also made him work hard. He's implied that several times um, and that he was strict. Um, and then the second part of that is, will you guys do that to your kids? Do you see Rich doing that to his kids and will you do that to your kids? I do see Rich doing that with his kids. I think that he gives them a lot of freedom in that he allows them to run around and play and be outside and, that's fucking awesome. Um, and then definitely like holding them accountable to just like having good manners, which I definitely think is the first step when they're really young. Cause they're kind of terrorists when they're really young anyways. And so just basic manners, I think is very important. And, and I'm, I'm very hard on my kids. Um, I'm very strict with them. I think being, a single mom, I have them Monday through Friday by myself. And so I I definitely feel like I try to be both sometimes the mom and the dad. I have to be the nurture and the disciplinary. And I kind of lean a little bit more towards the disciplinarian. <clears throat> and that mom guilt we talked about, I think sometimes I'm like a little too hard on them. But I think if you're hard on them now, then it pays off in the end, hopefully, hopefully they don't hate me. Um, if you, I, at least I noticed one time I, I was like, Hey, I'm going to the grocery store to grab something. And my wife, and I said, I'm taking the boys. And my wife's like, Oh, you don't have to do that. And I'm like, nah, that's, that's 90% of the reason I'm going is because I want to go out with them. Mm -hmm. And when I hear other parents talk, they don't want to do that. And I realized at that point that I've made my kids because I've been so strict with them. It's like, and I've used this example a million times, but you know, that guy in college who has the dog and it's like a border collie and he takes it everywhere. And you're like, how the <laughs> fuck does that guy have a dog like that? I want a dog like that. Yeah. Like you just open it. He stays in the Jeep. He gets you a beer. He just does. He's just like your bro. Just he, follows he watches, you everywhere. Yeah. He watches your kid. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck? Like, and so I just, I just made my kids like that. Like, Absolutely. Hey, and, and, and I don't know how it's interesting that you say you're a single mom. Um, because when I go somewhere, my kids follow me like 
like, like they don't want to lose me. They're afraid they're going to lose me. When my wife goes somewhere with them or if my wife's around, they don't do that. No. They go off in every fucking direction because they know my wife will look for them. Exactly. Like I'm on a mission and like they better get in where they fit in or like they're going to be on aisle six and I'm going to be on aisle seven. And they're going to have a full meltdown. Right. But <laughs> I guess that doesn't happen with mom. So, so I, I, I feel your. I feel, I feel, uh, there's this guy, it's not Jordan Peterson. It's this, uh, psychiatrist. And I, and I heard him say something that basically kids will do. They know from a young age, they will do anything to damn, I'm not going to say it right. But, but, but uh, in a nutshell to manipulate their parents and especially their moms, like they're just programmed for it. It's a survival mechanism. Uh, absolutely. I, I definitely see the difference <laughs> It's interesting to watch my kids act so different from person to person. And I, and I struggle because I do feel like I am the hardest on them and they're the most misbehaved for me. And, and I always tell myself it's because kids are fully open and vulnerable with their moms. They don't, ha- right. they don't feel like they have to be anything but their most reactionary selves with their mom. Great um, word. And they're, they're safe there. And all that matters to me is. Yes, they're safe with mom. There, there's a component of not being safe with me. Well, there's a different kind of safety, but there is, there is a a lack of safety. They're, they're, they're physically safer around me. They, I I can tell that they sense that, like I'll take control of a situation, but they're not safe. Like in terms of like mom is looking out for them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So all that I care about is when they are around other people and I am not there that they are well behaved. Yes. That's all I care about. And, and I think that is the case. So thank God for that. Cause if they were with other people, the way that they are with me sometimes, Lord have mercy. Yeah. My kids will be complete, just fucking wackadoodles on the car ride over somewhere. And the second we get out of the car, they, they step up and perform I mean, it's nuts. They're socially just like they're touching everything in the car, breaking stuff, pulling stuff, trying to lower the windows that are automatic without pushing the button. And then you go in Home Depot with them and they just like are like little ducklings. They socially just step it. They know. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Peterson, um, he had something really interesting that I always think about. And he said, raise your kids so that other people like them. And at first I was like, what is he talking about? Like they should just be themselves. They shouldn't do things just to be liked by other people. But basically what he was talking about was when you feel like people like you, it does something for your level of confidence. And when yes. you're, when you're confident, you're going to be able to carry yourself a certain way. You're going to be more successful in this life. If you don't discipline your kids and you don't make them so that people enjoy being around them, then people are going to, you know, turn away from them or they're not going to engage with them. And so that does something to their confidence and then it, it, it affects how successful. So it's kind of this ripple effect. I thought that was really, really interesting. It's like, would I want to hang around my, my kid? Would other people want to be around my kid? And I need to raise them in a way where that is the case. Yeah. Uh, uh- if you don't like your kid, well, first of all, if you don't like your kids, you're fucked. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people. They raise kids that they, they start to not like their kids. And if there's something about my kid, I don't like, I don't even verbalize it. I don't let it out. Right. I push that shit down and I start working on it. 
Exactly. I start really, and, and, and a lot of it is really working on myself, what I'm going to give them attention for. I'm not giving you any attention for bad shit, not even bad attention. Exactly. And, um, and, and then, yeah, like, I think you make someone who's really, really likable. And then when they're 25, they can be like, fuck you, mom and dad. You made me bend over backwards so that the world would like me. Good. Go rage now. And then when they're 35, they can come back and they can have both skills. Exactly. They can have the skill on how to make the world love them. And then they got to also rage against the machine. Fucking. They got both. I, I, I fully expect that at some point my kids are going to be like, hey, fuck off. I'm tired of doing like living 24 yeah. seven for you. But but at least I know that like they'll know how to read and write. <laughs> exactly. Um, she, She's amazing, smart and beautiful. You know, Manny, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, how, Do you go after a girl like Sage uh, Bergener? I'm. <sighs> There's something about you. Do you attract the wrong kind of guy? Or do you attract the right kind of guy? Um, I feel like I've attracted pretty good guys. You you seem like you uh, to me like you would attract the kind of guy. I mean, there's only two ways to to uh, that I see to deal with you. You either have to be captured and tied up like like crazy ball and chain, 600 pounds ball and chain. Or you have to be the coolest dude in the world because you seem like you're a bit of a um, uh, I want to use something better than firecracker, but you but you are um, diva. Well, I wasn't going to go there. Maybe maybe by the end of the show I'll say that. But you're you're a cactus. You're a little prickly. Like 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 um, I know like if you hug someone they can still get hurt. Like there's a little bit of a prickliness to you. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I like that, that you have to be, you have to capture me, kidnap me, or be the coolest guy in the world. And I, I definitely agree with that. Um, it takes a lot to get my interests, but to hold my interests is a whole different thing that I think is, is difficult. And capturing you is the, is, is, does not have longevity. Right. That's just like temporary. You got her in the basement. Eventually, she's going to burn your fucking house down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a dude in your life? Yeah, I do. Um, and, and, and did he um, start courting you because he saw you as a powerful woman, like speaking in front of audiences and commanding audiences and, and as a teacher and an authoritarian? I definitely think that that was something that was attractive to him for sure. I think it's a, it shows a lot of self-confidence to be able to stand in front of a room and, and speak, you know, with a sure tone and be sure of yourself. So I think that's attractive to anybody. I'm very attracted to good speakers and, and people who can command a room. I think that that says a lot about somebody. Yeah. I command the fuck out of my room. (laughs) Um, did, did you meet, is he a stu- is, did you meet him at a, a seminar? No, at a gym. Like, like, um, when you say a gym, like you worked out there and he worked out there. Yeah. And then like just two separate clients, like you didn't know each other and you both just worked out at the same place. Mm-hmm. And then I does- feel like that's how so many people meet. God, I hope so. I hope you're right. I, yeah, I feel like in the CrossFit community, a lot of people 
I think just having that common interest and, you know, anyone who works out, it's kind of their obsession and it's where they want to spend most of their time. So I think it's just natural that they sort of gravitate towards other people who feel the same way. I um I thought everyone was did uh, internet like just just like swiped around on their phone. Oh God, I don't understand that at all. I'm like way too afraid of serial killers. Like, how are people not more concerned about serial killers on those dating websites? I, I, I would just, I mean, I, I've never done it. I'm too old. It's like coming gone, but I would be um, terrified for a lot of reasons. I guess, I wonder if dudes are terrified. Does that really happen? Do you read about that or hear about that? You met someone on Tinder and you come back, you get mailed in little pieces to your parents? No, I, I never did the online dating thing either. Um, I think when we were little, there was three girl cousins and like 47 boy cousins. And so the moms and aunts and stuff, they were very, they wanted to make sure the girls knew how to protect themselves. So they used to fucking send us emails about like things not to do when you're by yourself. And it would be like, never park next to a white van or, wow. or don't, don't wear your hair in a ponytail at night or, you know, like have your key in your hand before you walk to your car. So they used to send us that stuff all the time. And so I think that like I always and I watched a lot of Law and Order SVU when I was younger. So I think that I just think that like, oh, you meet someone online, you're going to go over there. They're going to they're going to hide you in your basement. Um, Do you know this term here? Catfish. I just uh, learned it the other day. I think isn't that when someone pretends to look a certain way or be a certain person and then you show up and there's someone completely different. Yeah. I, I think it's like someone goes to your Instagram account, steals all your photos, builds a profile, and then they lure me um, to a plate. Like, and I start thinking I'm dating Sage Bergner, Bergner. And I, um, and then we I go to meet anything. And what? We you you could say Bergenaire. That's kind of the fancy way of saying our last name. Yeah, your dad's cool with any way I say it too. He'd just be like, dude, just I say it wrong. I mean, no one fucking knows if it's Bergner or Bergener. We don't know. So um, so then I, I meet you at this like a club, and while I'm parking my car, three dudes jump me. One dude has my ass, and the other two dudes take my money. I think that's what a catfish is. And so oh this guy's saying that dudes are scared too. Wow. God, life is fun. I just, I just want there to be a pretty girl next door for my boys to like get their first kiss with, you know. Actually, yeah, shouldn't be pretty. How old are your boys? Uh, five and seven. Two five-year-olds and a seven-year-old. That's awesome. How old's your boy? He just turned nine. Wow. Yeah, it's wild to have a nine-year-old. So he's like a real boy. Yeah, he's like already starting to transition into that teenage attitude phase where he's just like kind of pushing, pushing things a little bit and seeing what he can get away with. And he's way fucking smarter than me. So that's a problem. Yeah. They're, they're weird, smart. Um, and how's his relationship with your dad? Does your dad just love him to death? Yeah. So my dad, he's like a little bit older, so he's not necessarily the, the grandpa that's going to like play with you. But he'll take him out in the, the garage and be like, hey, I have 10 bucks in my pocket. 
for every round you get in this workout, that's a dollar. And if you get an extra round, it's, you know, $5 extra. So he's like all about positive reinforcement, like bribery. incentive, bribery. Yeah. Nice. And we'll just train them like that's and that's what he did with us that's yeah. the kind of dad that if we wanted to have time with my dad we were out in the garage with him i am um, i i do my boys obviously said he wanted a hundred dollar bill and i said okay cool every workout you do in the garage just right make a slash yeah and when you get to a hundred you get a hundred dollar bill so the other day he was in there for like an hour and a half i was in there with 90 minutes and he did five workouts and he's like I'd like two $1 bills and then I'd like to put three slashes on the board. I'm like, all right, get it, go get it. Oh my it. gosh. That's awesome. Okay. My level. No. no, I was going to say, I love that. Um, Did I this, post that? Yes. <laughs> my level of sarcasm has gotten to a point where I don't even know if I'm kidding or not. Um, so people ask me um, once a month, are you serious? And I'm like, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Do, are, do, am I supposed to know that? That's real, right? When you say that, like you don't even. Sometimes someone thinks you're being sarcastic and you're not, and sometimes people think you're not being sarcastic and you are, and then sometimes you don't even know. There's a fine line, and boy, do I ride it hard. Like you're like shit. If you're offended, I'll go with the offended. If you think it's funny, I'll just go with funny. I'll, how? I'll let you lead. <laughs> exactly. You choose. Yeah. You Are we gonna being sarcastic or not? That's a um that's a tough one to be in a relationship with. Cause my wife like that's a tough one to navigate. Um I mean my wife's gotten pretty good at it, but like uh you know, there's that time of of month that you women can get a little wily and like you gotta be careful. You can't like the same thing you said like for three weeks in the month, you can't just be just dropping that shit just like what's that mean? I don't know. Same thing it meant last 15 times. I don't know. I just, I don't know. But, anyway. Oh, that is so true. You don't know what you're going to get depending on the time of the month. Like sometimes I am the coolest. Like I could take you making mom jokes, fat jokes. I don't even care. I'll take it all and I'll hand it right back to you. And then just like the next day I'm hormonal as fuck. And if you make one comment about like my beanie, I'm losing it. Yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely losing it. So, you know, it's a hard life for, for us as women and for the partner. I agree with that. I, um, I, I had, uh, Alex Parker and Meredith Root on here and they're, they're dating each other. They might be married. I, I don't remember, but, um, I can't remember which one of them said it, but which one, one of them said, Hey, like every, every woman should have to date another woman. That made me feel so good. That, made I, me feel so that good. is not a bad idea or at least like live with another woman. Cause I asked him, I said, Hey, uh, I, I, this might be a sensitive question or not, but what happens when every month when, if both of you go batshit crazy, I just, I mean, I just can't. And it's hard as a dude too. I'm, I mean, you're not innocent as a guy, but like, like sometimes you don't even know. It's like you're being lured down this dark alley. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, fuck, how did I get in this conversation? I don't even know what we're fighting about anymore. And you're just blindly swinging. And you're like, I'm never going to get out of here. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even want to be fighting with her. What am I doing? I like to think that I really gave my brothers the good tools they needed. 
oh. to be successful with their wives. <laughs> You're a good dude. You gave them a thorough beat down once a month so that they would be. <laughs> yeah. They're like, man, chicks are fucking wild. I better be ready. Um, How old were you when you had your son? That's your first baby's your son, right? Yeah. And how old were you? Uh, I was 22. And why did you have a kid at 22? Because I was dumb and a young 22-year-old who think who thought that she was ready to be a mom. So you, know, you were you were trying to have a kid. Yeah. And, and I, how old he, was the dude? He was 13 years older than me. So we met when I was just turned 20, which sounds weird to be honest, but I that I never really thought about the age difference ever. It was never a thing. Um, but yeah, he was quite a bit older. You weren't like, hey, this guy's hairier than the guys I should be dating in my age bracket. No, he wasn't very hairy. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, so he was quite a bit older. He was in the military. We did not date for very long before we got engaged because he got stationed in Italy. So it was kind of like either we get married or we have to do the long distance thing for three years. And, you know, you're young and you find someone who's older and they are sure about their life and where they're headed and what they're doing. And you're like, okay, well, if you're sure, then I'm sure because I don't know any better. And so we got married and then we actually got pregnant like a month after we got married. So, oh, wow. So you were married even. Yeah. And, and what branch was he in? Navy. Wow. Did you meet him in California? Mm-hmm. I met him at a gym. <laughs> oh, wow. In San Diego? Yeah, I met him at Invictus. He was stationed down there. And so you meet this dude, you fall in love, you get married, you decide you want to have a kid. You're 22, the boy is 9 now, you're 31. Uh and um and then why do you it, it, do you have two kids with him or do they your kids have the same dad? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it was Honestly, like, I know he'll never listen to this. And and he's an incredible guy and an incredible father. And it was actually really sad that it, it didn't work out. But I just didn't um, – I did not love him in the way that he loved me and the way that I feel like people should be loved in a marriage. And – God, I, how do you know that? I had doubts about it when we were engaged and I was too young to speak up about it. <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't speak up about it because I was scared of what other people would think. And it was a huge detriment and probably one of the hardest lessons that I've had to learn as a person because a uh, lot of people got hurt because of that. Man, there's a lot to unpack there. I want to go to this idea of not doing – so like I'll be standing in line at the grocery store and I'll feel like my nuts stuck to my leg and I'll want to reach in my pants and just like pull my nuts up. But I don't because there's people around, right? <laughs> I don't. I experience the same thing all the time. I don't. But that's different or is it the same – God, I'm such a fucking knucklehead. How how are you about to get married 
and you're not sure if it's right and go through with it. Like I could tell you right now. Yeah. 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 How does it like, is it because someone's looking and you don't want to see them pull your nuts off your leg? Like, how do you, thank you, Travis. See, see, Best line of the show from me, not from you. And I got four ninety nine. Thank you, Travis. You're a good dude. Okay, go on. It all takes a little ball talk, and one of the dudes throws you five. People love it. Love yeah. some good ball talk. How, um, how, why don't you reach in your pants and pull and pull your uh, balls off your leg? So I actually I remember where we were sitting. We were driving, and we were at a stoplight. And I turned to him, and I said. I'm not sure that we should get married. And I said, I'm, I'm scared that we're not, we're not the right people for each other. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, that's hardcore. He He hit you. I'm very, very open. Like if I am feeling a certain way, you're going to know about it in about five seconds. I like, like to think I'm super sly and nobody knows how I'm feeling and I'm, but no, I wear my heart on my sleeve. You know exactly how I'm feeling the second you see me. Um, and he said what every, I was 21 at the time, what every 21-year-old girl wants to hear. And he was like, nobody, and this sounds like a dick comment. It wasn't this way. But he was like, no one's going to love you as much as I love you. Like You're not going to f- find someone who has the love for you that I have for you. And I'm like, guaranteed love, awesome. Like, I'm in. That's what, as a girl, that's what you think that you need. You just need to be loved. That's it. And so he was going to love me. He was older. He was secure in his job. I mean, he's in the military. It's, It's very secure. He knew what he wanted. He knew he wanted me. So I could be unsure, but at least he was sure. And that was good enough for me. And it was, it was, like I said, not something that I'm, I'm proud of, but it's something that happens when you're younger. And if you don't have the balls to say, no, this just isn't, I love that you love me. And that's the greatest feeling in the world, but this just isn't sitting right for me. If you don't have the balls to say that, then you know, things are going to happen very quickly and your life is, you know, however many years later, you're going to sit there and realize, fuck, I have now two kids with this person and I'm not any happier like I thought I was going to be. Because for me, it was like, okay, if we just get married, then it's going to get better. Okay, well, we're moving now. If we just have a baby, it's going to get better. Okay, now we're moving to another duty station. It's going to get better. Well, no, let's try having another baby because that for sure will make things better. And and you just don't know what you don't know. And I had to learn that the hard way. I had to bring, you know, two kids into this, this world who have a mom that, you know, is still growing up as she's raising them. And it's just not, it's not the most ideal circumstance, but it's my life and I have to do the best that I can and learn from it, I guess. Yeah. The, um, going back to the crying things, those are the kind of things that I cry about. So like if I, like I, I could have worked so hard, like to make my wife happy one day 
or I could have like worked so hard at work to do something I wanted. And then I come home and I want to spend some time with my kids and then just nothing's working out. And I would just go collapse in my room and just start crying. Maybe like for like, not a long time, maybe like three minutes, but it would be a gnarly cry. Like just fucking like a, and then it would be over. But, but it's kind of like, fuck, I, I like, like you're holding the weight of the world and then you got smooshed. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then Absolutely. you kind of just slide out from underneath the anvil that's life and you're like, you're fresh again. Um, um, so uh, uh, this thing, it's interesting. I, I have a family member who was with this guy and then got married and then right, they, she, she was with this guy forever from when she was a little kid. Like, I don't know, 14 to 25. And then she got married to him. And then like a year later, they had an insane wedding, dude. It was so cool. I don't even like weddings. It was so fun. It was so cool. A big, massive LA wedding. And, um, and then like less than a year later, they got a divorce. And I was like, oh shit. Like they got married to try to save the marriage. To save the relationship. I, and I don't. When you said it, I was like, oh, I get it. And now I'm saying it and now I don't get it anymore. Like it slipped away. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like I, I, I don't get it. Do, could you still make that mistake? Um, I don't think – no. I don't think I could make that mistake again. I think that there would be too many, too many conversations with myself about <clears throat> are you repeating what you did before? Or, you know, there was just – like I said, there was a lot of people hurt in the process of, you know, getting married, having kids, and then asking for a divorce. There was a lot of hurt there. And so I think that- What, was, what do you mean between you two or um, like families or the kids or what yeah, do you mean? Yeah, I think every, yeah, all the above. I think, you know, hurting him, hurting the families. He was the only one in his family that was married- Um, and so, you know, so you got divorced, you, you got divorced from a man who didn't want to divorce you. Exactly. Oh yeah. If my wife left me, that would be fucked up. Yeah. Sorry. That probably didn't help. No, I, I (laughs) fully take responsibility and there was no, I never cheated. It wasn't like I found somebody else. It was, it was purely that I, I, Are you happier out? Yeah, I, I have never regretted the decision because I, I knew there was no way I was going to love him the way that he loved me. And that to me, that's the most fucked up thing you can do to somebody. To know that someone loves you so much and you'll never be able to reciprocate that love and you're staying with them because, you know, you want to keep you just want to keep things copacetic. And I just think that that's such a disservice to everybody involved. And, and a lot of people will argue that, you know, a lot of people will argue that you should stay, especially as a mom, you should stay with somebody for the kids um, to keep your family intact. But I knew what kind of wife I was and the, the kind of love I was showing. And, and no way did I want my kids seeing their mom and dad's relationship that way. And it wasn't a bad relationship. It just was a loveless relationship. And I don't want that for my kids at all. 
It's interesting you say that because on one hand, um, there's there is a lot of reason to stay together for your kids, but on the other hand, everything you're saying I think is 100% true. If you kids will mimic their parents, exactly. and so if they see their parents in a loveless relationship, they'll look for a mate that that's that's a loveless relationship. That's their only example of what yeah. love relationships are supposed to look like. And I didn't, I didn't want my kids to end up in a relationship like I had. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> there's this series of photos in your Instagram. It's like you dole them out. Like, I don't know, every six months, or every year. It's, it's, did you do a photo shoot with your dad or did someone there had a nice camera and they just shot 10 pictures and you're doling them out to us slowly? Yeah. Our, my friend, uh, so earth fed muscle loves my dad and so they sent him a bunch of stuff and was like, hey, will you guys take some pictures? And my friend is a well-known photographer. So she came over and just took some of me and my dad. Yeah, that's really cool. That whole series is cool. Yeah, we're pretty cute. The, the, uh, does your husband, does your ex-husband live near you? Yeah, he lives in San Diego. So he lives like 45 minutes away. Oh, okay. So the kids still get to see him and all that? Oh, yeah. It's they, He's very involved in their lives. Do you, Would you guys do Christmas together? No. 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 He, Nothing like he, that? No, we keep it. We're cordial with each other. We have a good relationship with each other, but we keep things separate. Do you think you'll have more kids? No, I don't think so. Yeah, you did it. You got two. I got two. I got a boy and a girl. They're fucking awesome. Like they're so full of personality. Like they're not like those dead kids that are robots and they're just, I don't, a lot of people will say, like a lot of women will say, I just always felt like there was somebody missing and that's why they ended up having another kid. And I never felt that I've never felt like something, somebody was missing. No. I, I didn't want the kid. My, I tell my wife all the time, let's have more kids. She goes, you really want more kids? I'm like, I didn't want the ones we had. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I mean, I'm so glad we have them, but I never fucking wanted kids. Before, now I got really? three. No, fuck no. Why? I didn't want to get, I, I didn't want to get married because I thought only tools got married. I thought you were a tool of the man if you got married. Mm -hmm. And I never wanted to have kids because I thought like, what's the point? There's fucking plenty of people. And then I started, I had some monetary success and my life was easy. And, um, my wife was 39 and I was 43 and she just said, uh, and we were hanging around people who had babies. We were actually living with Greg Glassman and he had just got his girlfriend pregnant, Maggie, the lady he's married to now. Yeah. And so she's like breastfeeding and shit in front of my wife. And then a couple of my other friends who are like, just morons they were successfully raising a kid so then my wife's like fuck if they can do it we can do it and then some fucking lady said this to my wife she says if you don't have kids you might regret it if you do have kids you won't regret it that is it yeah a lot of people say that and then my wife's like fuck me and i was like all right if you insist and then bam now we have three kids and then we got sloppy after that. So that after that, and, and then I, well, I knew also, I asked my mom, I said, why did you and my dad have me? And she said, we wanted to have a love child. So then I like really for like, I really buckled down on like, I, I felt like I wanted to draw that energy into my wife. And I buckled down on really like doubling down on my love of my wife. And then, 
then we just got sloppy because when you're pregnant, you can just fuck away, right? And then she got pregnant again and they were twins. And then I was like, oh shit, I went from not wanting to have kids to have three. That's, I feel like having twins second would be so hard. If you have twins first, you don't know any different. Like, right. it's just the norm. And then you have one kid after that, you're like, this is fucking easy. Like, we've had two, we can have one. But to go the other way, I feel like would be so much harder. Uh, to, to be completely honest, I have no idea because when my, literally when my, when my wife had the twins, my son was 18 months old and oh, we basically left the house every morning, my son and I, and then didn't come back until afternoon, checked on my wife and then would leave again and then come back in the evening. And we did that for three months. Well, my wife just sat in the fucking house and fed these two fuckers. Yeah. Like literally like, it was like, I took her son from her. That was probably the hardest part for my wife. Yeah. She was so bonded to this kid. Now all of a sudden I'm like, dude, today we walked here, dude, today we threw fucking dirt clods of cars and yeah. she's just, just fucking a, I mean, literally then we bought our first, it was, I bought my we bought our first brand new car ever together. We bought a minivan and that was the only reason she came out of the house. That was the first time Sage, no exaggeration. She came out of the house and she stood at the front door and she goes, I go look at our new car. She's like, Oh, thanks. And then went back to feeding the kids. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh my gosh. Now, I, I don't know. know if it was hard. I mean, for me, it's easy. The woman does fucking everything. Like I just, I walk them like dogs. I just take them out. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing I think about having your, second for you guys second set of kids is that you miss the first kids so much and you feel like you're neglecting them but yeah. for dad it is the most special time crazy like, special crazy finally, special you get to really bond with that first child because the mom is busy taking care of the baby and it is like i think you never ever get that time back it's so special I mean, there would be days where literally she would not see him awake. Yeah. He would leave the house, kiss her goodbye, and then I had him. And before, he'd been breastfeeding for 18 months. She'd been looking right. at him like this. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. Amazing. Yeah. That's um, so cool. How, how, how was having babies on your body and, um, and Olympic lifting? How, how did the two – did it affect any of your ballistic movement? Ballistic movement means like the explosive movement, right? Mm -hmm. Did it affect any of that? Did you have diastasis? Um, how is your back? Do you have sciatica? All that shit. Like what was kids? How did kids affect your lifting? Did you get stronger uh, while you were pregnant? So with my first, I was able to work out every single day. I did. I was pretty intense about it. And then I bounced back pretty well. Um, no diastasis, no back problems really. And then with my daughter, I could barely work out at all. I was so sick, like the whole pregnancy. Um, she was sitting really low, so I had horrible back pain. And then after I had her, I like tried to get back into it way too fast, and I and I developed pretty chronic back pain, mm. which ultimately like changed my whole entire um, career as a coach and an athlete because I finally learned about like the pelvic floor. I learned about um, ways to not only heal back pain, but kind of preventative exercises that you can do. And it changed so much for me. So I'm really grateful that it happened. But yeah, I would say I have, I did not have it 
worse than most women or better than most women. It was kind of just like basic standard pregnancies and post-child um, recovery. Um, tell me some uh, back, some uh, exercises that are good for, that helped heal your back, some movements. Basically anything that you can do to make your glutes strong and your midline strong and your pelvic floor strong. So, okay, so of, like banded, banded glute work, like monster walks or, you know, glute bridges with the band around your knees, anything with the band around your knees. Cause my glutes were, were basically shut off. And that was the time actually I got described as the weakest strong person they had ever met by a physical therapist. <laughs> so basically all of my big muscle groups were overdeveloped and all of my small group uh, muscle groups were underdeveloped. Exactly. Hold, hold, hold that. That's a monster walk. Yeah. How does that help your back? Makes your ass stronger. Yep. So when your glutes, so basically any injury that you have, you have to look at the surrounding areas and you need to strengthen the surrounding areas. So in order for my back to be supported, if my midline is completely weak and my glutes are completely weak, then nothing is taking the brunt of the load outside of my back. My back is doing all of the work. So no wonder it gets fucked because it's having to carry everything. Whereas if I have my back here. If my midline is working, my glutes are working. Now I have the support of all the surrounding areas. Now they can all work together to lift something as opposed to just my back lifting something. I've never put a band around my legs like that. Well, you should try. It's going to change your world. Yeah. My back is so fucked up. Yeah. Most of the time it's, it's weak glutes. That's why people have jacked up backs. Yeah, my ass is so weak. Yeah. So I do like tons of unilateral work. I do tons of lunges, tons of Bulgarian splits. Oh, lunges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been starting to do lunges because I see my wife does them and she got a big old fat, yeah. strong ass. Yeah, okay. Do them with the barbell on your back or holding your D-ball. So hold your D-ball and do lunges all the fucking time. I do lunges like three times a week. Okay. Uh, it's okay. So, so, um, uh, and what, what do you do for, um, what did you say your core also? So what, what do you do for your core to, to, I mean, is just carrying stuff in the, in the frontal plane good enough That's or do you have to great core work? Yeah. Planks, hollow holds, dead bugs, you know, anything where you're kind of in that hollow position and you're having to engage a smaller muscle groups in your core. What about leg lifts? I do, I've started doing leg lifts. I do like 10 or 11 on them. Like when I'm done working out, I just set the timer for 10 minutes and I do like either between 10, 11, 12 on the minute for 10 minutes. I love that. I don't think anything where you feel your abs burning. Yeah, they is, burn. It's great. Okay. But so I they need I to burn. They need to burn. Yeah. I especially like dead bugs. Those are my favorite. Well, I don't um, even know what that is. Let's see if I'll type in dead bug here. One that's your favorite is the only one I don't know. Yeah, uh -oh. because did, did a bunch of pictures of you, dead bugs come up? You just a bunch of hot chicks. Anything you type into Google, uh, uh, hot, only hot chicks come up. The, yeah. the algorithm knows me. <laughs> Let's see, dead bug. Sure. That? Yeah. So if you look at her, her lower back is on the ground. So basically, it takes a lot more concentration than you think 
It's just boobs. I don't see anything but boobs. She literally has huge fake tits. How can we focus on anything? There we go. Yeah, so her lower back is against the ground. And so basically your knees, she's her legs are wrong. They're supposed to be at like exactly at a 90 degree angle. And then as you along Oh, how about this guy? How about this guy? Less he has smaller he has smaller boobs. Let's see. We will not be distracted by him. No. Um But you basically try to keep your lower back against the ground as you either elongate your legs or your arms or both simultaneously. And so it just requires a shit ton of control and focus. But so that kind of activation of the core is so hard because your lower back keeps wanting to come off of the ground. And so when you say your lower back on the ground you consciously straighten out your spine exactly you don't do it by lifting your butt you just push your spine down consciously exactly and that's what having the legs at 90 degrees it helps you do that because if he brought his knees to his chest that's just lifting your your butt but having your knees like that you have to actually push your core down or your lower back comes off the ground like that so this this guy has ninety five thousand views and no titties, and this one has one point two million views and titties. Now I know it's not a, this isn't science. It is one hundred percent science. But I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, that's great! This fucking world. That's is that a thirst trap? I guess I, I, mean, I stopped looking at you, and I'm just looking over here at the video, pretting like I, I'm doing you know work what? I'm not way. even offended. I totally get it. Um, tell me about, uh, oh, there there was a third movement. Uh, there was a third thing. Glutes, core. Yeah. So core and midline. Not, not the same thing. They're basically, yeah, they're about, they're basically the same thing. But like, I like to think about, again, your upper back as well. So if you get your upper back strong, you know, with like Chinese bent over rows or, you know, back extensions, stuff like that. Um, tell me about, um, shifting subjects here. Tell me about this lady. Amy. Yeah. Are you still friends with her? Yeah. So Amy is that friend that I'll have truly for my whole entire life. I've known her since I was five. Um, and how do you know her since she was five? Since I was five. Yeah. How do you know her since you were five? Um, so she played volleyball at a local high school and her volleyball coach, when she was 18, uh, reached out to my dad and was like, Hey, I have this athlete that is like really talented. I think you should, you would enjoy working with her. And so she came up at 18 and started training with my dad and she had a really fucked up childhood. Didn't have like any parental figures really. And so my dad, kind of became her father figure and coach. And it's been just a chain of events since then. Yeah. Um, she, every once in a while she pops up on my radar, I'm interviewing someone, I'm digging through their Instagram and she pops up and I, I met her. I don't remember which regional, but she was, she's Cody Anderson's coach, right? Mm-hmm. And and is her last name Anaya or, or Everett? She's married to Greg Everett, right? Yeah, she's married to Greg Everett. Her last, her maiden name's Anaya, so she goes by Amy Anaya Everett. 
Okay. And I, and I, it's, I still don't know what Greg Everett looks like, but I, I would see her at the, and of course I know his name from working at CrossFit and all the hub of blue that happened between him yeah. and Dave. But, um, but I, I met her at a regional in, um, I had to have been San Diego and Cody was there and I really, really liked her and we've kept it kind of, well, anyway, anytime I come across her, she's amazing. And I always see her affiliated with pretty amazing people. Yeah. And, um, and, and so her, her, and, she, and her husband is a, is a, is a barbell teacher also, right? That's his thing. Mm-hmm. And is that, did he learn that from your dad also? Is he? Yeah. So he, he basically reached out to my dad a long time ago and was like, I want to be mentored by you and be your intern. And my dad was like, well, I don't really do that. And Greg was like, okay, well, how about I just move down there and I wow. train, train in your garage. And so he moved down to Bonzel and um, started training with my dad and, and learned as much as he could about him. And then they ended up moving back up to Northern California where he opened Catalyst Athletics and, and kind of started his own thing. But yeah, a lot of his methodology and the things that he have learned, he learned from my dad. Wow, that um, that's that's commitment. Totally. Yeah, he Greg is one of the smartest people that I've ever met, and he I think just wanted to fully dive in. Like he was really fascinated by weightlifting, and kind of just dove headfirst into it, trying to learn as much as possible. And I. I'm sure in his mind, he's like, I'm not going to go fucking learn from anybody. I'm going to go learn from the best. And I want to be trained under him and see, see what this is all about. How, how excited is my sponsor barbelljobs.com when they jumped on board to sponsor this show? I think That's we had a great name. We had, isn't it? We, yeah. we had, we had like one fourth the amount of downloads. What a wow. deal they got. Good website too. So by the way, if you need a job, if your kids need a job, your son's probably ready to go to barbelljobs.com. I think he's ready. Can your kids teach Olympic lifting? He, they believe they can. Yeah. <laughs> I asked because my kid's been doing tennis for 10, uh, two years and uh, jujitsu for three years and skateboarding for a little over almost two years. And he thinks he can teach it. I mean, he has a lot of teachers. He's surrounded by teachers and so he'll teach it. I love that. Yeah. yeah it's it, so you cute. Can tell you the natural teach. My son is for sure a natural teacher, like anything. It could be math. It could be CrossFit. It could be jujitsu. He does jujitsu as well. Um, he definitely will want to teach it. Why did you put your son in jujitsu? It's just the best. I mean, the things that jujitsu does for people is incredible. I think it teaches you to be calm under pressure. It makes you think a couple steps ahead. It teaches you body awareness. It teaches you the feeling of being able to stick up for yourself in a, a safe way. Like, I just think it, it does so much for you. So I like how I, it taught my kids physical intimacy. Yeah, absolutely. They're so comfortable with other kids and adults, like just rolling around. It's exactly. crazy. Yeah. Like they touch each other and like they're rolling around people. I'm like, I'm not going out there. No one's touching me like that. No one's putting their hand between my legs and trying to like roll me over by grabbing my taint. <laughs> but they're just like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. We love that taint roll. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, there's um something you say about empowering women that you want to empower women, and I have this um always this adverse reaction to that. Um, oh, interesting. Why? Yeah. I th- I see it as like belittling. I, I know I know and, and I'm open to I'm open to it being wrong, but like I was I was raised by strong I was around strong women. And so like this empower women implies that women need empowering. Mm. And I get um I get like fuck you. Like my mom doesn't need empowering. My mom raised my shit like worked and like like I don't need anyone telling like like there's the implication there that Anyway, it's it's misplaced. I think it's misplaced, but 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 so I like to talk about it to try I to like. like I actually really like that perspective, in which I'd say I'll never try to empower a woman who doesn't want to be empowered, or who doesn't feel the need to be empowered. If you feel empowered already as a woman, I'm not about to come in and try and tell you that you need to be more empowered than you already are. I think it's more so that. The women who tend to flock to me or come to me are women who don't feel that they are living up to what they know they could be. Um, and so they feel like they're missing that empowerment and they're, they know it's there. They know they have this fire inside them. They're just not quite sure how to obtain it. And, um, I, li- and- I like the empowerment part, by the way. I love the empowerment part. Yeah. It's the woman part I get all fucking twisted up on. Like if- Yeah, it could be it could be a guy. It could be a guy wanting to be empowered. I I think it it's women for me because that's the audience that I enjoy dealing with the most and working right. with the most and resonate with the most. Um I love working with dudes. Dudes are um it, they're so refreshing to coach. They're they're very like one track minded. They they have a Thank mission. You. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Yes, I was gonna say simple minded, but that didn't come Thank out you. quite as how I Thank wanted. You. Thank you. <laughs> and so there's something so refreshing and fun about coaching guys, and then there's something just like really complex and and challenging about coaching women. Because we're like a Rubik's cube in human form, and and so it's just women are like crossword puzzles, and men are just like that game that you give to like um, that you play as a little kid where you just have to circle the word in the in in the mix up, like just you know what I mean? Yeah, women are like crossword puzzles, except for you don't get any clues on what. <laughs> <laughs> and men are just find a couple letters and circle a word, pick a word. <laughs> exactly. Um, it, I, 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 I struggle with it around the race thing too, that a lot of times when people are trying to help people based on their race or based on their, um, uh, uh, income, what you're doing basically is you think you're helping them, but what you're really doing is, is you're putting your thumb on them. You're basically saying because you're, um, uh, uh, Mexican, you're dumb and you need help. And people don't realize that's the psychological, uh, effect of what they're doing. Like, um, totally. I, and I was raised by people. So I was raised by people who feel sorry for people. So I have a, um, a nanny and 
she's Mexican and she has three sons and she has a husband and they're the most amazing family fucking ever. I love them. I love my kids being around them. They're like, they're just dope. They, they, they might as well be Armenian to me. They're hardworking. They're talented. They're smart. The kids are well-behaved. Um, and, and I, um, I invited them over to Christmas uh, one year because of their religion. They don't celebrate Christmas, but I still invited them over. And I wonder what their religion is. I need to figure that out. Uh, and uh, basically someone else in my family said, Oh, that's so nice of you. That poor lady. And, and they made this implication that she was like a poor lady. And I don't know if it was because she was Mexican or because it was, she's a hard worker or because she's a nanny. She has a three kids or because she's a nanny, but there's this, there's this, mentality and it and it comes like uh really from liberals and, and i hate to say that because I, I i was i'm i i don't even know if i'm a republican yet if i'm just a fucking uh a fucking piece of shit democrat still but there's this fake kindness but yeah. really it's you putting yourself above other people yeah absolutely. and you don't even know you're doing it and it's like <laughs> dude shut the fuck up like there's no poor nobody yeah i I totally, some of the richest people I know are the most miserable fucks in the world. Totally. And I absolutely agree. And so that's where the women empowerment thing comes. You know what I mean? I want to be like, fuck you. Like my mom didn't even know my mom just fucking fuck you. Like doing stuff for like, uh, uh, poor black people. They're no poor black people. Exactly. Fuck off. I don't know any poor black, all black people I know are cool as shit. Why are you talking shit to them? Like that's how I hear it. And I think that it all comes down to approach. You know, if, if these women showed up in my lives and I'm like, you know, you just have it so hard being a woman and you just feel this way and this way and this way. And that's why you need to be empowered. You know, I could see what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I'm not a Democrat. I just said that for effect. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, if, I think if your approach is to basically just put these women in environments where they get to actually see that they have everything already inside of them that they are so desperately searching for, then it's not empowering as much as it's just like almost reintroducing them to themselves and letting them see that, yeah, they, they have everything that they need. It's not that they don't have the tools and I'm going to give them everything that they need and I'm the one who's going to empower them. That's I don't think that that's the approach. It's let me put you in scenarios to where you can see it's nothing that anybody else is going to be able to give you or provide for you that you don't already have. Mm. Like a real self-realization. Yeah. Uh, why, why do you think, um, going back to what you were saying in the beginning of the podcast, why do you think you were um, bitchy as a kid? Do you think you were spoiled? I, I don't sense you were spoiled. God, no. No. I. Um, that's a very good question and one that I ask myself all the time. Um, I think that I'm just. You think the world owed you something? Never. Not no. as a kid. That's not why you're bitchy. You're like, fuck you. Look at me. Pay up, bitch. No, I, I think that I have always had a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings, and I haven't always known what to do with all of them. And so it's kind of like this fucking storm inside of me a lot of times. And so it's like 
it'll just sometimes come out in a bitchy way. And I don't know how to explain it in any way other than that. <laughs> um, are you, do you know Pink? Are you friends with her? I wish I was, no. But she lives in your area, I think, right? I think she has a, a house around here. Yeah, you guys should be friends. I don't know her. I don't know her either. I have heard that so many times. Serious? You have? Yeah. Yeah, when you were saying that, you have so many emotions. Like, I don't really know her that well, but I was like, man, you should have been a singer. I mean, it's not too late. Maybe you should write music. Maybe, yeah. I think that's why I write because I got to get that shit out. It's why I write and it's why I train because I got to get that shit out somehow or else it's just going to come out as bitchiness. When I was a young man, I um, would fall madly in love with girls. Like this is like from five years old to 30. And I would write, I would write poetry. Like I never gave it to him or like, even when I was a kid in high school, I would like cover my books in like a brown paper bag. And I'd write a girl's name in block letters like a thousand times on there. Mm. Till the, and I was just like, and I was, con- I would like sit on the roof of my mom's house and like think of songs and like sing songs in my head about all that's gone. Really? Gone. Why? I, I'm I'm enlightened. Do you think that you're <laughs> maybe yeah, I mean maybe I'm emotionally I'm emotionally um uh it's not gone. I own it now. I I control it now. Like it used to just fucking bubble up from the fucking floor, right? Absolutely. Like just like there's this girl and I'm so in love with her. I come home from high school and cover all my books in brand new paper bags and start writing her name on them. And I can't stop thinking about her. And like, I'm, you know what I mean? And, the, and the, my day is made if I see her in the hallways or, or you know, and all that's just gone. Like, Some would call that stoicism. Yeah. There's this guy. Who's the guy, the big guy in stoicism stuff on Mark the, on Aurelius. On, no, 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 no. Like a, a, a new, a, a, like a guy who he probably steals from Marcus Aurelius. He's the, oh, he's on Instagram. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Is he the one that wrote the, the 365 of like the daily stoic? I'm not sure, but he's a piece of shit. <laughs> and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. God, Why, what's that guy's name? Steals all their stuff. No, he's pro vaxxer. He's a pro he's a pro vaxxer. And the reason why I have a problem with pro vaxxers is because I don't believe that there's anything as anti-vax. There's people who just don't give a shit. And then there's pro vaxxers and pro vaxxers call people who don't want to get the injection anti-vaxxers. Fuck you. I ain't anti nothing. I'm only anti kids other than that. Yeah, that guy, Ryan. I I don't know if that's his last name. Ryan Holiday. Yeah, he's a if it's the same guy, he's a douche. Yeah. How dare someone in a power of a, of a position oh, of authority, right. how dare was- anyone in a position of authority insist or promote um, someone getting an injection that they have a natural immunity for? What you're doing is just you're preaching weakness to people. You're not empowering people. You're doing the exact opposite, and you're a fucking cunt for it. Oh, yeah. I remember he posted something like, it's my duty to have a platform and and basically promote this. Because I'm going to speak up for people who can't. I'm like, hmm, interesting. Sevan, I think that's usually left behind with adolescence. It may have something to do with the frontal lobe development. You know, you're, I, I suspect you're right. I can still tap into it, which is really cool. Like I can still like if I think um, uh, really, really intense um, uh, thoughts about my mom, 
uh, just my deep love for my mom or my deep love for my kids or just how uh, like my family, my wife, I can like really stir up, like get myself in an emotional frenzy. But I, but I, but I control it now. It's weird. That's I mean, it's so much. Yeah, it's great. It's great. And you kind of have to stir it up on purpose after a while, once in a while, or else you start to feel like a robot. Exactly. It kind of makes you human. Emotions make life absolutely enjoyable and worth living. But if they're, they get out of hand, then, then it could be miserable. Former marketing director for American Apparel too. Uh, Ryan Holiday, not a good dude, not a red guy. Yeah, if if American Apparel is the one I think it is that has all those uh, weird clothes and the weird models and all that shit. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a definitely not healthy. But he's got a massive following, which is nuts. It's unfortunate. But then again, Gavin Newsom wasn't recalled either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, what well, do you do? Would you would you work out without a mask? Do, do I? Work out- do you work yeah. out with a mask? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. I had um, Nikki Rodriguez on the show. Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. He's, I, I like to bring him up as often as I can. I'm, I'm going to show you a picture of him. Nikki Rod. You have to go to the bathroom? No. Okay. I'm a bladder of steel. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, you would hate traveling with me. <laughs> I do not have a bladder of steel. What's going on here? Okay, let me see. Uh, so this guy's a jiu-jitsu guy. He exploded on the scene doing jiu-jitsu, and he's just kind of like – he's just taken over. And he's 25, and um, I had him on the show, and he's just a fucking man-child. Like he's just beating up black belts, and he's a um, – isn't he yummy? Wow. He's yeah. jacked. Yeah, he's so fucking great. He's pretty jacked for a jujitsu guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and when you have him on the show, he's like, I work out just because I want to be beautiful. No one wants a fat schlub winning. That's him in the middle there. Holy shit, he's massive. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to come on the show again in the next couple of days because he has a fight coming up. But he's so fucking fun. He's so honest. You would love him. Like one of the things I said, I'm like, so do you – he's had a girlfriend for like seven years. But I said something like, hey, is it is – it, um, like, aren't you distracted by like just wanting to chase girls all the time? He goes, dude, look at me. A guy like me does not chase girls. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But he says it like humbly, but it's like, yeah. yeah like, it's like very matter of fact. Like, yeah. No, he's like, not look. saying anything that somebody else isn't thinking. No. Or he's like, I work out just so I'll look good because I want, when I'm on the podium, I know people are going to see a body and I want it to be a nice body. I anyway, mean, that's true. He said, I said, hey, do you ever train with a mask on? He said, dude, if I want to kill someone, I cover their nose and their mouth. Wow. I was like, okay, done. Wow. Ah, yes, yes. Take a drink every podcast. Someone mentions Nikki. Take three drinks. Oh, man. I, yeah. Sevon wishing he had a bottle under the dustpan. I've thought about it, but now I have this wide angle lens and like, I can't even adjust my nuts on the show anymore. Um, are you still doing the camps, the bad bitch camps? Yeah, I have two coming up actually. Well, then you need to update your website. I know. How do people I sign think- up? Are you that popular that you don't even need to update your website? I, you want to know the truth? I don't know how to update my website, <laughs> but, um, 
I, they email me directly to sign up. So you are so popular. Um, uh, listeners, please, someone hit Sage up in her DMs. Um, someone who's like, hey, I can fix that for you. And uh, please be, do. And be please. cool. Yeah. Isn't this community great when people will just reach out and do that shit for you? It's incredible. Like I got this stay rad um, thing <laughs> uh, graffitied on my garage gym wall. And this sticker company just reached out and they're like, hey, we made you a bunch of stickers. Where can we send them? And they just like made a bunch of fucking stick stay rad stickers for me. Yeah, that's like, awesome. They're just so nice. Hey, those guys over at um someone will say it. I, th th basically, these guys have this phrase, it's called full send. Have you heard that term, full send? Like someone skates off a ramp and a bunch of other guys are there with like with their fucking oh, yeah. mountain dudes and they go, yeah. full send. And they yeah. okay. So there's these guys on the internet and they've basically trademarked that and like uh I've seen them like with Trump, I've seen them with like Dana White. I um uh the Kettle Brothers, the Nectar Brothers. They're hmm. basically like jackass dudes, but they've trademarked this full send uh statement. Brilliant. And and now they own a jet. <laughs> yeah, That's look brilliant. Yes, I what if you could sell enough uh full uh stay rad stickers that I could that, have a jet? Yes. I have always needed a jet. so Or, or just vaulted ceilings. Or just vaulted ceilings. <laughs> I need to get on that. Um, frontal cortex is your inhibitor system. Since you blurt things out pretty often, Sevon, something might be underdeveloped. <laughs> That's just for the show, let me tell you. I am not the same person in real life. Not even close. Uh, oh, yeah. They bought a I, – I saw that too. They bought a $300,000 Maybach for Dana White. Yeah. Um, oh, here it is, the Nelk Boys. Yes. How come I always can't remember that? Nelk. That's a great yeah. word. Everyone suggest. Okay, so your camp is going – where will your camps be? They're here in Bonzal. So I hold them at, up at my dad's place, at, up at his gym, because who doesn't want to come and hang out at Mike's gym? And what are the dates for it, the next dates? They're actually both sold out, so... Oh, then who cares? When's the next one that's free? Or not free, I, like doesn't cost money, get, but available. Uh, I need to get another date up for sometime this summer, is what I'm hoping for. Don't you, don't shouldn't you just have them stacked so you could just be making mad cash? Like soon I as did, one. I did that when I first started on my booked like four back to back, uh -huh. and they did not do as well as when I just when I spaced them out a little bit. When I spaced okay. them out a little bit, uh, people kind of have more of that like, oh, when's the next one going to be? And they they're more willing to sign up. Uh, when I stack them, they don't they don't do as well. Okay. Um, are Vans the best shoes for weightlifting? <laughs> um, yeah. So I started working out in Vans because my ankle mobility is shit from growing up wearing Olympic weightlifting shoes all the time. And since I am more of like a CrossFitter now, I don't need to just be wearing weightlifting shoes. So I was like, why not work on my ankle mobility? So I just wear flat shoes 
And I feel like that's a kind of sneaky way of working your mobility without having to stretch for 87 hours a day. Um, tell, I, that's a great subject. Shoes. I don't put shoes on my kids. I think shoes are way worse for people than they, than they, than they realize, yeah. especially boots, especially high tops. I see, I see kids all the time at the park wearing like, um, uh, rain boots. Yeah. I see kids all the time. Kids who are friends with my family who know, like they've heard me talk all about how bad shoes are for your kids. That be, and and some people believe that a, a reduced ankle mobility is actually the the reason why we have so many bad knees in society because the oh, knees are one hundred percent. Okay, talk to me about that. Tell me. Yeah. So if your ankle mobility is poor, then anytime you go down into a squat of any kind you're going to shift forward onto the front of your toes. And then when you shift forward to your toes, that's going to put more pressure on your knees. And then your knees are going to be fucked up. Whereas if you have really good ankle mobility, you can keep your foot sort of flat and balanced anytime you go down into a squat and your, your, your knees can come forward and track the way that they're meant to track. You're not going to have any fucking knee problems. And I've, and I've heard that you can even trace it to the hips, to the back, that every yeah. time you, you reduce the mobility of an extremity, it goes upstream. Yeah. So my, I have two torn labrums in my hip and that's because of my ankles. So I, lo I love that word labrum. I, yeah. Cause it sounds like labia. Yeah. Yeah. How did you know that? <laughs> Cause I'm a female and I'm very smart. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Labor. Yes, I I fully agree with that. And I saw this post going around recently, like the bot it showed the bottom of feet, and it's like people who wear shoes all the time and their feet are like look like this all fucked up. And then it was like um barefoot runners and their feet are like fully flat yeah. and, and just open against the ground. It's like it looks fucked up and one doesn't look fucked up. Like you can tell what shoes do to people. Um, I, I remember sitting in class, like in the seventh or eighth grade. And they're like, then the Japanese people, they used to bind their women's feet. And that was horrible. And all this shit. Right. And then, and then, uh, you know, flash forward and I'm 49. I'm like, what the fuck? We were all sitting there with bound feet. <laughs> exactly. It's, and it's like the like other I'm a, little, I'm a little bitter now because when I was a kid, I could walk over shards of glass and be totally fine. My feet were so tough because yes. I never yes. had shoes on. And now it's like I walk over any kind of carpet that's not shag carpet. I'm like, oh, man, that like hurts the bottom of my feet. They're so sensitive. I'm like, you got to get it together. Did you um, Did you ever smoke cigarettes? No. Oh. Um, well, I went through a short 10-year phase where I smoked a lot of cigarettes and, uh, and I was barefoot for a lot of that. And I used to just put my cigarettes out on my feet. It was like, oh I was God. so, I was so proud. I just wish like, I was that cool. Just like nothing. Um, it, it's, it's so weird. There was this news article that, um, I have a news show with James Hobart every Sunday and Kate Gordon. And, um, one of the articles he read was, is that, uh, the, 
president of North Korea, Kim Jong-un, was wearing a leather jacket and that other people in the country started wearing that leather jacket. And he's like, fuck you. I'm the only one who can wear that leather jacket. And it was like this like thing like, oh, my God, North Korea is so bad. And I'm like, you motherfuckers, we live in the same fucking country where there's something these idiots come up with cultural appropriation. Like I can't braid my hair because only black people do it. Or I can't say the word tomahawk because it's rude in Native Americans. Fuck you. I'll culturally appropriate anything the fuck I want that I think is going to be fun and make me better. You can eat a dick and you're we're sitting there making fun of Kim Jong-un when uh, th- once again the liberals and I never hear any fucking Christians or uh, 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 what are they what are they called they're not Christians they're Republicans whatever those guys on yeah. the other side are I never hear them do that shit like dude never. culturally appro- steal whatever you want be That's better the problem is that you don't have Republicans speaking up about things it what is, do you mean they're pussies I, What's well, that? they're scared. They're scared. They don't want to lose their job. No, I don't. I don't think that they're scared. I think that they're out busy living their lives and and they're not out there. We need more Republicans out there talking about their stance with things, because I feel like the Democrats and liberals are the ones who are speaking up about everything. And it's not uh, great things. Uh, I heard Elon talk, Elon, uh, uh, Elon Musk uh, yesterday talking about, I wonder if I can find that. That dude's savage. Listen to this fucking guy. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, Oh shit. Wrong. Live call in show. Uh, Let me see. Oh, here it is. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to play this. I hope this doesn't get my show fucking. Okay. Hold on. Hold on, let me see. Bam. He is savage. He's so savage. Okay, let me see if how do I can I refresh this? Uh oh. Can you hear it? Yeah. Okay. I'll let it play twice. It basically gives new people the shield. To be to be mean, I love that. And isn't it crazy? So I was raised that the Democrats were the uh, – and, and I, I interchange woke with Democrat. And I was raised like peace and love and love everyone. I think the Democrats think did so. used to be in the love party. Yeah. And and you know what else is crazy is like you, when you're raised in California, you're always taught that like the South is like really into segregation mm-hmm. and like really hates black people and stuff for black people. And then I remember finally, you know uh, – probably a little after college i was i was doing a lot of film work and i was in the south a lot and i was like man the clubs here have black and white people in them in california there's only black clubs white clubs and mexican clubs and they're all separated mm-hmm. like but i thought we were the accepting ones i mean it was just like but yeah. i was the club like in nashville and shit and it's just a fucking i'm like holy shit everyone's dancing together yeah i felt really lucky because my dad leans a little bit more towards Republican, but is the most open-minded and accepting person ever. So I feel felt like I feel really lucky that I got to witness that. It wasn't like, oh, this person's a Democrat. That's the loving one. Cause that was kind of how it was 
growing up. That was just the Democrats are the loving ones. Republicans are kind of the assholes. Yeah. Like warmongering, warmongering fucking assholes. Exactly. Yeah. And I didn't see that at home. And so I, I feel really lucky that I got to see, oh, this person's a Republican and he's like very open and minded and, and accepting of everyone. So that must not be the case. Uh, I don't know if that's what I'm saying. I don't know about, I can say about all Californians, but I was taught that, um, very sub subliminally and constantly that the country's bad. The flag is bad. Cops are bad. Military's bad. Um, help all poor people. And, 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 you know, I, I was very fortunate. I, I was, I was, I was homeless for two years and I lived out of a car for another five years. And I realized that there's no such thing as homeless people. I realized there's no such thing as food droughts. I think well, my listeners know I've been to 49 states. I've been to over 100 countries. I've filmed in three famines. I've been to China, spend expensive, extensive time all over Africa, China, India. And I know what fucking a food drought is. And there isn't one in California. There isn't one in the United States. Anyone can eat healthy here. And there are no homeless people. There's just drug addicts. And how do I know that? Because I lived it. And I maybe I'm being too extreme, but I'm 99.9% .9 right. And so... I'm not, I'm not going to play that finger fuck anymore that the Democrats are playing. I'm gonna, I have to call things what they are. Mm -hmm. So, but I don't know if I'm saying we're taught to be segregationists. I'm just, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm not there. I'm not quite that extreme yet, but I'd like to be, <laughs> I'd like to say it. I just don't know if we're all taught that. I mean, look at, look at Sage wasn't taught that. Hey, is it weird that you, you married a military guy Were you taught to hate the military? No, the military, my dad was that, no? in the military. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. No, I don't hate the military at all. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, on social media. I'm pretty close to your dad, closer than most people. Like we interact quite a bit. Yeah. He loves you. Yeah. We, we, um, it's kind of weird. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I hold him in, um, rarefied air. Like I would, I wouldn't go to, I don't go to those places on the mountain. And then when he talks to me, I'm like, oh, shit, I guess I'm going to go there. I'm going to go up there to those higher levels and hang out. <laughs> he's an incredible human. He really is. He he's, he's really into working on himself even more and more as he gets older, huh? Absolutely. That's pretty remarkable. I, I'm not really afraid of anything, and maybe that is something I fear that I would – at some point forget to work on myself. I think you're too intelligent for that. Oh. Um, do you know who fitness Lonnie is? Yeah. Why do I know that name? Um, his, he, his name was Dorian. Um, he was, he was in the CrossFit scene for a while. He used to make the funny videos. You would see him hanging with Andrea Ager. Oh yeah. 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 The satire. Did you ever meet him? No. Well, he ended up becoming a uh, a Buddhist monastic monk. What? Yeah. And so basically, and then I saw him. He came to my house the other day and hung out. And he'd basically been, been you know, sitting under a tree for five years. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. And it, you would not believe how amazing he is. He, It's like. Like, you know, great people and it's really neat being in their presence. Right. I mean, like yeah. we talked about rich earlier, it's just fun being in his presence. It, it you feel like you feel those, what did you describe him? His morals and his values. There's like, a, just like a pure person. Yeah. There's a cleanly, like the air's cleaner around rich. Yes. 
yeah um this is like this but like um have you ever been to moab you know no, how quiet but, it's yeah. super quiet there like weird quiet like, like you can hear your um the electricity in your own body humming i mean it's so fucking quiet there and it's like that around this dude this dude comes around anyway that i bring him up because he even said that like sometimes basically and I'm, I'm paraphrasing and romanticizing but you could be sitting under a tree for a month meditating and realize you didn't get one second of meditation in absolutely and i'm like oh fuck and i was like when he said that i was just like god dear and for us regular humans a year can pass and you didn't work on yourself and you're like absolutely. what the f- what a fucking waste of life I know. I am doing, I'll just write podcast. My friend, I used to write when people um, called me during the show, I used to write, I'm podcasting, but now I'm big time and I just write podcast. I don't even have to write. I don't have time to say I'm podcasting. Um, There's a video where you, you're doing affirmations with your daughter and you write. um, I used to think this was cheesy and it's great. It's a great little video. You guys are both in your towels. Like you guys just showered together. Do you shower with your kids? You shower Mm -hmm. with your daughter? Yeah. Yeah, Isn't I, I used, I used to bathe with Avi like every fucking day. And when I got, I even had a big bathtub installed in my house so I could do it. And me and my wife and him could all bathe together. And then we had two other kids and just went to shit. (laughs) But, um, Tell me about the affirmations you do with your daughter and what happened to you in your maturation that it went from cheesy to important. Um, I think when I had kids is when it went from cheesy to important. I think that um, the older you get and you kind of start to take a look at yourself and why you are the way that you are, a lot of things can be traced back to your childhood and, you know, things that happen or, you know, the way that you were taught certain things by people, it's reflected back to you when you're an adult and you're living your life the way that you're living it. And so I think that the past couple of years have been a crazy time for me. And I've really tried to take a hard look at who I am and why I am the way that I am. And I think a lot of it goes back to my childhood. And so I think that those affirmations are me kind of wanting to get a kickstart on my kids for like, Hey, here's probably some fucked up shit you're going to feel when you're an adult. Let's kind of start to scratch the surface of those things as a child. It, uh, money in, is it is it money in the bank? I, let me tell you what I mean by that. So I put ten thousand dollars into um, these investment funds for my kids when they were born, and when they're seventy seven years old, they'll be over eleven million dollars. And so, like, are you giving them money in the bank in terms of like, okay, I love myself? Like, they have these. You're you're planting. You're investing in their self talk early. Yeah, I think I'm I'm trying to give them tools. Is I don't sometimes I I have that question with myself. Are they learning any of this stuff that I'm te- like does any of this even fucking matter? Cuz they're going to go out into the the world and somebody else is going to influence them or something's going to happen to them that's going to influence them in a way so much more than anything that I can do or say or teach them. Um but I think that if I can just at least give them the tools to start understanding 
their emotions or things that they're feeling or experiencing, then I've done my job. And sometimes I feel like affirmations can help with that. Do you believe that your mom and dad love or loved you as much as you love your children? Yeah. It's weird though, right? Yeah. You don't realize until you have kids for sure. Like that's the bomb people that get your head wrapped around that one. Go on, sit, go on. Sorry. Yeah. I think when you like look at your kids and, and you're just like staring at how beautiful they are and you realize that you would literally do anything for them. And then you get to realize like, man, that's how my parents felt about me. It's like a really big shift that happens. And you're, you start to understand maybe why they did things the way that they did things. Whereas maybe when you're growing up, you don't really understand why they raised you a certain way or said, said things or did things a certain way. And then you become a parent and you're like, oh, they were trying to do this because of this. And it just, it's like a big, everything just kind of comes together. It's a big realization. Shit. Sage, remember in the beginning you were saying, uh, that, that this dude, you just wanted to be loved and that this dude basically said, no one's going to love you more than me. It, maybe if I'm hearing you right, maybe no one, no one can love you as much as your parents. And you can't know how much your parents love you until you have kids of your own. And then it's kind of like, if you look, if like I look at my mom and dad, I'm like, holy shit, someone loved me this much. This is fucking weird. It's weird to love someone as much. It's 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 not comfortable to think someone loves you as much as you love your kids. I'm not comfortable with it. No, that's an unconditional love. Yeah, it's very. Um, my sister had a stroke. I this is like 20 years ago, and she had to be air. She was in Utah, and she had to be airlifted, and basically she should have died. And she lived, and she's fine. And I can't remember. I think it was my mom. I was sitting with my mom in the hospital, and she goes, well, that answers that question. Or is my dad? I can't remember. And I go, what? And they go, I always, you always say as a parent that you would give your life for your kid's life. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, and I'm just praying to God. Like, and my parents are not religious. Like, they would never pray to God. But one of them said, I'm praying to God right now that he takes my life and not your sister's. And I was like, holy fuck. I better store that away and bring that up later when I can think about it. And wouldn't you like? Wouldn't you do that for my kids? I would do it in a heartbeat. Uh, not your kids, but my kids. Yes. <laughs> you wouldn't do that for my kids. Hey, I told I I it, I said on my podcast that I'd let fucking five hundred million. I'd let the entire fucking European and North American continent of people over eighty years old die to save one kid. And, and fucking my fucking sister brings that or my mom heard it on podcast and tells my dad that I said that last night at dinner. I'm like, Jesus, I gotta be careful what I say. But yeah, no kids, no kids should be hurt in, at, at the cost of saving um, old sick people. No, no kids. It's it's yeah, I, I, I would do anything to save kids. It's nuts. Uh, well, thank you. Should have you on again. I wonder what it'd be like to have you and your. Have you and your dad ever done a podcast together? Yeah, we've done a lot together. Did you have to get a lawyer when you did a divorce? When you got a divorce? Yeah. 
that's did that feel like you were just wasting money? One hundred percent. Yeah, I hate that feeling. It was the worst. Unless you're going to help me unclog my toilets, I really don't want to give you money. Everything else, I sh- I, I'll do. Yeah. Man. Um, what is the name of your? Oh, yes, yes. Sorry, last thing, last thing. Yes, this is important and, and superficial and shallow. What were you thinking doing? What? Who wrote this workout? You know what workout I'm talking about? Yeah. What the fuck was wrong with you? I mean, that that's like drug addict workout. <laughs> I- four rounds, four rounds, eight body weight snatches, 250 burpees, five mile run, four rounds. That so let me say that again so you guys heard that right. This is a four-round workout, eight body weight snatches. I don't even know why that's in there. It's just like eight body weight snatches, 250 burpees, five mile run. Um it's a total of 32 snatches, 1,000 burpees, and 20 mile run. Sage did it in six hours and 30 minutes. Three, two, one, go. So it was a birthday workout. It was it was for my 31st birthday. But <laughs> It just didn't add up. The math didn't add up. So I had to do 30. It ended up being 32 snatches. Anyways, that's not a big deal. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to take the hardest workouts I had ever done and combine them into one workout. So a 20-mile run was one of the hardest things that I'd ever done. And then I did 10 rounds of one-mile run and 100 burpees. And that was one of the shittiest things that I'd ever done. So I was like, okay, well, why don't I do combine the two. And then since there's an element of CrossFit and element of running, let's add in an element of Olympic weightlifting too. And that's why I threw the body weight snatches in there. God, uh, that That's an emotional ride, right? It was, I threw up in the first round. I was like, wow, it's going to be a long fucking day. Wow. And, and, um, and do you eat during this workout? Well, so the problem was I ate probably about an hour before I started. And so that's why I was, it just wasn't sitting right in my stomach and why I threw up. But yeah, you just eat like. Four rounds with a five mile run. Yeah. That's a hard pass. (laughs) You just eat like carb shit. And did you you think you drank a gallon of water during that workout? Yeah. You like sip on electrolytes and stuff. You don't, you're so thirsty, but you don't want to drink a lot in one sitting because then it's just going to slosh around in your stomach. And and are you injured from that? No, no. I mean, I my body was pretty fucked up, but I'm I'm adaptable. I'm resilient. <clears throat> You're young. I yeah. Thank you. Very. Uh- young. Um, uh, so going back, so you have done podcasts with you and your dad, are they online? Yeah. Um, I actually have a podcast. There's two episodes on it. Oh, uh, both of them are with my dad. What, what's the name of it? The bad bitch podcast. A bad bitch. Oh, so usually my shows get flagged right away because I say the word COVID or vaccine. And like, even sometimes I'll, I'll be watching the live YouTube um, studio and I'll just say COVID and I'll watch it immediately get flagged. Meaning certain, adver- they'll, they'll tell certain advertisers not to, 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 to publish on that uh, video. But when I titled this podcast, I think I t- put the word bitch in it. Sage uh, Bergener 
the bad bitch or something. And it was immediately flagged. Oh, that's unfortunate. Oh, okay. I see it on Apple. Are you going to do more? Yeah. Oh, but you're not on YouTube. You don't video it. No. Mm -mm. Okay. Because the only podcast I could find of you on YouTube was with Pat Barber's wife. What her name's Taz. Oh, yeah, Taz. Yeah. Um, that's a why is that three parts? Um, I think like that one podcast. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think maybe she wanted to keep her podcast shorter, so she just segmented it into three parts. So when you're doing the podcast with her, she's like, okay, that's one, one segment. And then she ends it. She goes, okay, let's start another segment. Can you start yeah. it by saying who you are again? Yeah. And were you like, were you embarrassed at all doing that? Were you like, no, fuck you. You say who I am. <laughs> it is hard to, like, it's hard to introduce yourself sometimes. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to say. My name's Sage and my favorite color is green. Yeah. P Pink's missing out, not being my friend. <laughs> Thank you, man. This podcast did great. Fun. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it. You want to? I'm going to see how good it's doing. You want to see hear how good it's doing before we get off? Oh gosh, I I don't know. It, no, it's doing good. I can tell. There's so many fucking live listeners. Let's see. Uh, what's in it? This is called the Sevon Podcast. I have so many fucking. <laughs> I have so many failed things in the in the queue at YouTube. Let's see. Okay, your channel. And I go to manage videos. I go to live. Oh, shoot. I can't see. It's not updating. That's okay. Damn. All right. Well, thank you. You're thank the best. Thank you, Savon. You are yeah. awesome. I hope you have a great day. Are you going to see your dad today? I am. Yes, Tell I'm him. excited. Tell him I said hi. I will. Take care.